Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Joe and Joe Weather Show. Here we are at 8.30 Eastern Time, an hour later than usual. And the Joe and Joe Weather Show brought to you by Omni True Value Hardware at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York, on Long Island. And they have the biggest salt pile you can imagine in the New York City tri-state area. And they have the lowest prices of anyone selling rock salt in the tri-state area. So uh, if you're in the business of cleaning snow up and you have to load up on rock salt, Omni's got the best prices in town. Pelado, mag, ice pellets, and flakes, and anything else you need, maybe you even need a new snowblower. So uh, just give them a call at 631-756-1125, and the website is omnitruevalue.com. Jingle Bells Wholesale Holiday Lighting by Giannini, your complete holiday lighting specialist, meeting all your decorating needs. They'll make your house look like the best decorated house in the county uh, with snowmen, penguins, the countdown clock, Santa, the uh, standing three snowmen and on, uh, I guess, they're the, the snowmen version of the Walenda brothers. And of course, there's always the elf on the shelf. And they're at 162 Ocean Avenue in Lindenhurst, New York, 631-957-5106. And the website is liholidaylighting.com. So here we are. Mr. Rayo is here in his, what is that, gray? Uh, grayish, grayish blue, I guess. Okay, we can live with that. So, you know, you know when you mentioned mentioned the Walenda brothers, it's immediately how your your mind works. Immediately, what pops into my head was that tragedy that occurred back in the mid seventies, where I think the elder statesman of the Walenda family was attempting to walk a tightrope in Puerto Rico on a very gusty, windy day between two buildings and. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, it was a little bit too gusty for him. And uh, well, well I'll, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it to all of you. Well, what, what a thing to know about what 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 a thing to reminisce about. <laughs> well, you were the one who brought up that. I, I, I haven't I haven't thought about the Walendas in 50 some odd years. Well, you could have let it just pass. I was trying to think of something from the Ed <laughs> Sullivan show when they used to have those acrobats on. But the only thing that came to my mind was the Walenda brothers. Oh well. Yeah, well, they were the most famous. They, and they still have the Willinda family, whatever. I I need to apologize right off the bat to all of our folks. Well, on why? The we're, chat we're, not, we're not married. You don't have to apologize to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason that we're running an hour later than normal is that I had a library talk, virtual library talk, scheduled, or as they say in Great Britain, scheduled for seven o'clock this evening. And so we moved everything to 8.30 to accommodate the fact that I was doing that library talk. But come seven o'clock, I wasn't doing the library talk because the person who set this whole thing up wasn't there. And I'm sitting in my seat and I'm watching a uh, buffer wheel going round and round and round, a Zoom buffer wheel saying, the host will let you in <laughs> shortly. And not only did was I not allowed to come in, but also the participating, there were also three other libraries that had joined in with this uh, sponsoring library and they couldn't get in. And uh, the fact is also I advertised it on Facebook and also on Twitter and, and nobody got in and nobody heard my talk because nobody was able to get in. And uh, so I didn't end up doing a talk tonight. I was very frustrated and uh, very upset for a while, but here I am, 8.30, you and I are here right on schedule to talk about the uh, impending wave of gloom and doom again arriving for tomorrow, tomorrow night, and part of your upcoming holiday weekend. I'm a little, I'm a little surprised. Maybe they decided to just wait till tomorrow morning to do it. I was a little surprised. I thought they'd throw up a flash flood watch for somebody at least. I would think, I would think with the soaked ground, you know, if we if we, if we put down an inch or an inch and a half of rain, you know, some places are going to wind up seeing a little flooding out of that. I would think. Well, you know, it's going to get in here probably as an average for the tri-state metropolitan area. It looks like it's going to come in here certainly by early afternoon, 1, 2 o'clock 
And then as we progress through the remainder of the day tomorrow into tomorrow night, uh, the rains will be getting steadier and heavier, and then we'll spill over into at least a part of Saturday. We are hoping, I guess, that Sunday will be a little bit better. Uh, it must be better for all of the trick-or-treaters on, on Halloween Sunday. And you got to uh, wait for that upper trough to get out of the way. Take a look on the satellite tonight. The circulation of this this thing that you know that we saw it on the guidance of the upper low. We talked about how big the circulation the circulation of this storm system is. My God, it, it covers. Uh, you have to go back to Kansas to for the back edge. It goes north of Minnesota on the northernmost side and down to Louisiana on the southern side. And then you got this arm that's uh, brought severe weather over, and still is, over parts of central and south Florida. And, you know, that extending up northward with the high clouds just about on top of uh, the uh, eastern PA to southern New England zone. You know, this is, this is a pretty big system. And the problem for Sunday, in my view, is the fact that the upper low is going to be weakening, but it's also going to be tracking very slowly to the west, uh, to our west. And we just, we have to wait for it to get far enough north to start getting some drying northwest winds, and, and, and that might take a little while. You know, so, um, not that I would throw Sunday away. It may just wind up being a cloudy day with you know an isolated shower or something. But overall, uh, it's going to be a struggle this weekend to see sunshine. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but at least if it if it's uh, just cloudy but dry, uh, that'll do the uh, the trick or treaters, I guess. I quite, you know, we, we talk about, you know, trick-or-treaters and people, you know, kids going out in the evening. I don't think they do go out in the, at least around here, they don't. And, and when I was, when I was, uh, you know, growing up in Throg's Neck, I did most of my trick-or-treating in the afternoon. Right. Come evening, uh, that was it. That, that we pretty well stopped by, well, by evening, but for, yeah. What I was going to say, if, and if it was a school day, you only had about an hour because uh, sun, the sun would go down at five o'clock. Right. But now, right, because now, back you in those... have, now you have to wait an extra week to go to standard time. If, if for one yes, reason, if, if I'm a Halloween Grinch, okay, uh, I, I, I just never cared for the holiday. Uh, I'm, so I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the Halloween Grinch. And, it, you know, I didn't even buy any candy. I have nothing. For, they come to, if they come here, they're getting not, they're going to get a lecture. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to get a lecture and a, uh, and, a, and, a and a dental card. <laughs> well, I, there's one episode of uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, which is a classic about Halloween, which I won't specifically get into. But most everyone who watches Everybody Loves Raymond knows what I'm alluding to. So, <laughs> uh, gotcha. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's 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 different, but I mean, whether or not you're going out in the afternoon or the evening. It looks like I agree with you. It looks like it's going to be mainly dry. It doesn't look like you're going to see much in the way of sunshine. And it will be a little uh, coolish out there on Sunday. Or may I, since it is Halloween, may I say ghoulish yes, you uh, may Sunday have... in the <clears throat> afternoon evening. You said it a couple of days ago, so I knew today he's going to use that ghoulish thing again. All right, let's check out. I'm going to say it. Let's check out the radar. We've got uh, rain covering much of North Carolina. And then you've got some scattered showers and storms in parts of South Carolina and into uh, Georgia, there's, into Georgia there's, there are bands. Actually, the, the band that you see there going through Northeast Georgia is right, it just, just left me. So I'm just coming out of that. And that is lifting up to the north. And as we go further west, uh, more bands uh, in uh, northwestern Alabama. Much of the, what you see back here is not especially heavy. Uh, back down to Arkansas. And of course, those echoes are moving from north to south because they're on the other side of this gigantic upper low and meanwhile they've been getting bands of heavy rains across the the uh, uh the, the great lakes and through wisconsin northern illinois uh it, it it it's not a continuous heavy heavy rain uh, there because of the banding nature of it there are dry there are stretches where the rain gets very light or might even stop briefly for a moment and then there's lighter rain further north up into Wisconsin and eastern Minnesota. So it's a big system. If uh, if we had the block still in place, then we would be talking about this upper low probably going out underneath us as a strengthening nor'easter, another strengthening nor'easter. But because the block is 
uh, breaking down. This is going to inch eastward, and then gradually it's going to turn northeast, moving up through western Pennsylvania and western New York. And that upper feature is going to go from being a closed circulation to an open one. So it'll be weakening as it lifts up northward. So I guess the the, the, the trick is, in terms of the forecast, is trying to trying to see if it's still holding on to enough strength when the rain arrives tomorrow uh, that uh, we still have those heavy rains in there in the mix because over time it'll probably lighten up a bit as we I would think it would probably be a little lighter as we get into Saturday. We'll have to see on that. And, and you know, uh, it's dry on the radar just about everywhere else except for the Pacific Northwest where we've got. Uh, what appears to be, I think this is like the eighth day in a row that it's been raining up there uh, in the Pacific Northwest. That's some heavy rains with Pacific energy that is moving inland. Now, the Storm Prediction Center for tomorrow has kind of rearranged the risk a little bit, but I don't think it's anything. To, I don't. I don't think it's much to worry about. They have a slight, a two percent chance of tornado risk in southeastern Virginia and the southern part of the Delmarva Peninsula, down to eastern North Carolina. And the marginal risk uh, goes a little bit further to the north into southern Delaware and up to about Baltimore, uh, Washington, D.C., and then sort of curls around Fredericksburg and then heads south, southeast, down to about Cape Hatteras. Uh, they uh, have the general thunderstorms up to about uh, your house, Joe. Uh, so running right along the southern New England coast, cutting uh, western, uh, cut, cutting Pennsylvania in half from north to south and then swinging back around in West Virginia, and I don't believe on day three, because I haven't looked at it, uh, I didn't think to look at it, I don't think they're gonna have anything uh, in the <clears throat> in the east. And uh, southeastern New England, uh, a chance for maybe uh, some isolated thunderstorms there, but the rest of the country is bone dry. And next week on the day four to eight outlook, I would think it should be mostly subdued. Uh, we uh, aren't going to see any big storms develop next week. So they actually have potential too low for days five, four, five, six, seven, and eight. So uh, that's a good good sign. WPC, our friends at WPC on their rainfall forecast map, they actually cut it back a little bit, Joe. They got like three quarters of an inch to an inch uh, over New Jersey and southeastern New York. And then they got the tail of that inch and a half to about from New York City northeast. Uh, into southeastern New England and on up into the coast of Maine, and also uh, some rains back uh, in central and western PA on the order of a couple of inches, and then down through uh, western West Virginia, eastern Kentucky, and then tailing back uh, down into east Texas, uh, north and south Dakota, western Minnesota, eastern Montana dry, the southwest dry, and rains from the northern half of California northward uh, for the uh, rainfalls over the next several days on the order of about one to three and a couple of pockets of three inches or more. Um, we looks like the pattern's going to turn colder as we go into, um, as we move through next week. I, I, I've been describing it sort of like a stair-step decline, a couple of weather systems moving through. And as each one goes through, it'll turn uh, a little bit chilly. And I think there's a chance that uh, some places in the interior Northeast, it might see their first uh, snowflakes uh, perhaps come Thursday. We mentioned it yesterday that the GFS was showing something, and it's still showing it today. And the Europeans got something there, too. So um, it looks like there'll be some kind of front with a wave on it. So uh, And there might be just enough cold air to produce uh, the first cheap thrills for inland areas. Well, I was going to ask you about that. I, I you know, Quite frankly, I was thinking, Joe, um, Saturday night, perhaps. Well, maybe not necessarily. Yeah, this Saturday in, into maybe Saturday evening, that perhaps some of the higher elevations of uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, and maybe Western Maine might even see kind of a mixed bag of rain, sleet, or wet snow uh, with this system that'll be coming on through, you know, Friday into the start of the weekend. Maybe sometime during uh, Saturday or Friday night, Saturday, there might be enough cold air around so that not, not, sticking or accumulating snow, but uh, again, in the higher elevation areas, maybe a, a mixture of snow, sleet, and rain yeah. uh, occurring well, there's uh, a, on there's Saturday. A, there's another system behind the one on Thursday for Saturday, and then 
the you know the the, the twelve Z run uh, went along those lines. <clears throat> the eighteen Z run has it you know much further east and offshore. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, it's got to have to happen sometime along the way. And by the way, here's an interesting note. Bill Rogers uh, uh, posted this in a comment on a on on our show from a, a couple of nights ago, and I was up I was uh, updating the comments today. And I ran this by Bill Goodman, so I'm waiting to hear back because I, I didn't have a chance to double check this. But this, here's an interesting statistic. So we've been, uh, you know, I've, I've been mentioning the fact that we should pay attention to the the uh, uh, tropical storm activity and and whether the hurricane season has shut down because if if it shuts down early, uh, there is a weak, you know, weakish correlation between hurricane seasons that shut down early. And the onset of a of a of winter, particularly a front end loaded winter, and we uh, we have not had. First of all, we have. I don't think we've had a named storm in the month of October. I don't think any of the storms have been were named in the month of October. I could be wrong on that, but in terms of a hurricane, uh, there has not been a major hurricane, not just in the Atlantic during the month of October. And not just in the Pacific during the East Pacific during the month of October, but the bigger surprise is in the West Pacific. And there has not been a, a major hurricane this month. Uh, and that has only happened twice since 1950. Okay. Uh, it happened in October of 1977 which then was followed by the lovely winter of, of 78, 70, uh, 70, 77, 78. 77, 78, And yeah. it happened in the next year, in, in October of 78, which led to the winter of 78, 79, which in that particular winter, the trough axis, I, I remember this so clearly, it was about five degrees further west. So it was actually quite a brutal winter around the Great Lakes, the Ohio Valley, uh, and in those areas. We were kind of on the edge until the latter part of January when we went into that three-week freezer where we had lows in the single numbers for days and days and days. And then it was – that culminated – well. And that culminated in the – in fact, I remember that Long Island Sound froze over that year because of how cold it was in that stretch. Uh, we didn't go above freezing for the better part of three weeks. And the uh, that all culminated in the President's Day storm. In, in 1979, so it was kind of interesting that those are the only th those those are the only two instances in the in the last uh, 50 years. I'm sorry, since 1950, that that has happened. Right. I'm, I'm waiting for. Right. I'm waiting to to. You know, I'm trying. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm I'm having that statistic checked, but it's and it's a small subset. But you know, it's it's just kind of interesting that it wound up being two very uh, active winters uh, in um, in the east. Uh, coming off uh, a, a weak hurricane season during the month of October worldwide. Well, I remember uh, that winter, as you do, very well. I remember the President's Day storm very well. That was a that was a storm that, for the longest time, Joe. A lot of the, in fact, the the uh, LFM, the limited fine mesh that we had to work with way back then, hardly did much of anything to. Uh, to provide us with, in fact, a uh, very, very funny story. Uh, Vin Cardone, who was uh, a professor, uh, an adjunct professor uh, at uh, at uh, CCNY, where I was uh, uh, at and where you were, that we used to have the Thursday uh, seminars. And uh, Dr. Cardone came in, and based upon what the LFM did with the blizzard of 78, he said, we have now arrived at that point in time where we no longer have to worry about busted forecasts. Yeah, well. That we now have the tools. We now have the tools. Yeah. And he said, he, he gave plaudits to the LFM. <clears throat> I had just started work. I, I, I attended that seminar. A few months later, I started working for the first time at a private weather service. I was on duty the day before the President's Day storm. The LFM for that storm gave for, let's say, Washington, Baltimore, I based upon what, the, what it, they gave a tremendous, the, you used to refer to gorilla PVA, yes. and yet it only, it only cranked out like two to four inches of snow. 
for Washington and Baltimore. So instead of looking at the Gorilla PVA and thinking, hmm, this might be more than what the uh, model is suggesting, I went with the, the, with the moisture, remembering Dr. Cardone and saying, we're no longer going to have any more busted forecasts. I had a radio station that I used to do down in Baltimore. I told the guy, his name is John, John Elder. I said, we're going for two to four inches for the Baltimore area. He said, oh, really? AccuWeather's going for four to eight. I said, well, I don't care what AccuWeather's going for. I'm saying two to four, and I'm using the very best short-term computer-generated guidance forecast that we have. The next morning, 24 hours later, here comes the radio station, WFVR in Baltimore, and I'm talking to John Elder, and he says, well, they just called out the National Guard. Baltimore and Washington had anywhere from 15 to 25 inches. They were comparing that storm to the Knickerbocker storm, the one that caved in the Knickerbocker Theater in Washington, D.C., because there was so much snow back in 1922. New York, we were supposedly right on the edge of the storm, and we were going to get much more than an inch or two. And I, I, was, I was asleep, getting some rest, and my boss, Todd Gross, woke me up at 4 o'clock in the morning and said, get up, we need you. I said, why, what's going on? He says, we got a blizzard. I said, where? Baltimore said, no, right here, look. <laughs> it was snowing to beat the band. And we got like 15 inches of snow. I was with you the night before. I do remember that. It was you, it was Andy Gregorio. I was with you and the Andy, night Andy before. I won't, and, and I, won't, was, I, won't, and, I won't say what you said, but I, uh, but you were with me. Go ahead, I, say it. No, 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 I'm not going to say it, no. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I do remember as I'm trying to get some the, sleep. I will remember. And, I also rem I also remember that the LFM, yeah. uh, the LFM right before gave uh, LaGuardia four hundredths. Yeah, four hundredths. Yeah. The good old, the good old LFM. <laughs> where, where, where is that computer guidance model now? But, but I remember trying to get some sleep, and meanwhile, Andy Gregorio was in the weather room, and he's every so often he's saying, "Holy blank, holy blank." Uh, down in the Carolinas, there was some place in the Carolinas, six inches in one hour. Yeah, you know that was crazy. Crazy. I yeah. I woke up I woke up to watching at least for a couple of hours to watch it come down at five. I think I had like twenty or twenty one inches in the in the Bronx where I where we were. Yeah, because I I lived yeah. and I lived very close week, to you. And then very next week, do you remember the following week another storm, but this one was inland along the Appalachians. And that one brought heavy rain on top of all of that snow, right. causing massive flooding from Washington up to Boston. The winter was, was a crazy. The winter, the winter was essentially over after that storm, as I as I recall. Right. We really didn't get much of anything after that. Even March really got nothing. So um, it just shut right. down. It was uh, three right. we, three weeks of brutal cold and uh, a couple of there was a six inch snowfall at the beginning of it. And I think there was another one somewhere in between. And then we got the big one and we finished the year right at average for the whole season. And, and that was the end of that. Well, we're hopefully we're not, you know, I, I don't think we're going to be getting that at the end of next week or, or going into and next I week. I remember also that Sunday morning, it, it, it happened that the snowstorm on a Sunday night, Monday morning of Washington's birthday or president's day on Sunday morning, I remember I saw a uh, report from Old Forge. You remember Old Forge, Joe? I do. Old Forge, up, upstate New York, they had something like a low temperature that morning of 53 below zero. I mean, you talk about your cold weather. That, and that basically was, the, the, the idea was that that huge cold high was going to suppress this storm, and uh, it, never, it, it never really did. I mean, it, 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 it got up into our area, and it dumped all this heavy stuff. Boston ended up with hardly anything, but New York got significant snow and they got creamed from Philadelphia down to Baltimore yep. and Washington. Uh, before I move on to the uh, teleconnections and the short and long range, just want to acknowledge the chairman, Scott Briller, for hitting Super Chat tonight, say, reminding us that tomorrow uh, is the uh, anniversary of 2011, uh, the uh, greatest snowfall recorded in uh, New York City of 2.9 inches. On October 11th, uh, it's October 29th, 2011, and that was the biggest snowfall of the whole winter, by the way. Uh, also, want to uh, say thank you to Enrique Lopez, who hit Super Chat tonight, saying a small donation for the trick-or-treaters that might otherwise get no treats. Well, they're not getting anything from me. 
if they come here. And, and, the, and the other thing is, they got to walk down a long hill to get to my house, which means that to leave, they got to walk it up. And it's about, uh, it's a little less, it's about, I'd say, a third of a mile that they have to walk up. Uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking no. <clears throat> I'm thinking no. Either that or their, their parents will have to drive them here on a dirt road. And uh, uh, I, I, I don't think so. Okay, so let's look at uh, let's look at the teleconnections going forward because uh, we are, you know, I want to point out um, a couple of things here. Uh, first off, uh, with uh, with respect to the NAO, which has been negative uh, since the last week of September, and you can see some ups and downs, but it never got to zero. It stayed negative, and it's still negative. And the members, uh, it's very interesting, after November 1st, uh, you've got some of them going toward the neutral line and pushing to slightly positive, and then you've got a, a, some of them that go in the exact opposite direction. And in fact, uh, a couple of members actually take the NAO and make it strongly negative. So if you want to average it out, just probably split the difference between all of them, we'll just say that it'll stay mostly, it'll probably stay negative right through um, the the next uh, the next 16 days and uh, the PNA uh, the Pacific North America index which has been positive uh, since about the 17th of October uh, and it stays positive then it kind of weakens a little bit but it's mostly positive on almost all of the members except for a couple for the same time frame for the next 16 days what's changing though and I don't have today's chart of it but what is changing is the East Pacific oscillation which is going negative. And for the first time, Joe, when we look at the upper air, and we'll get to that in, in, in shortly, uh, you're, you'll see the Northwest connection from Northern Canada down to the Great Lakes and into the Southeastern part of the United States. And that's, that's, the, that's the EPO in play when the EPE specific oscillation goes negative. And by the way, I mentioned this the other night, people looking at what happened the last couple of days with the nor'easter saying, oh, if it had been snow, you know, we would have had, you know, however many feet that it works out to. No, uh, not only I, I would contend, I would contend that it, this storm in January or December or February with the same upper air setup would have been mostly rain, not just here, but probably pretty far up into upstate New York and New England because of the fact that the East Pacific Oscillation would have been positive and there would be very little cold air and getting involved uh from canada that's uh, that, that's the way i see it that's the way i saw it all right well that's uh, all hypothetical because we really don't know do we uh what would what, what actually would have transpired but still uh you know i think i think at this point in time as long as uh, it's active that'll make everybody all of the uh the uh the weather uh, fanatics out there happy nobody and alan casper said it best when it's when it's boring for me it's great for everybody else out there well if it's boring for for us joe and also for the weather fanatics uh those who are not particularly into storm watching or you know are turned on by storms are happy but none of us are happy because we have nothing to talk about right all right here's our storm system for uh tomorrow and as big as that upper low was, and just to remind you, as impressive as the circulation looks like uh, on the uh, on the satellite, it's very spread out. And as a result, you have there's a 994 low uh, on the GFS this evening, which is not too shabby a low for this time of year in southeastern Missouri. And you see the isobars, they just kind of cover everywhere. Uh, the nor'easter is on the far right, moving further to the east and of course it's been we had a nice day uh today in the in the uh, most of the uh, northeast and northern mid-atlantic states and uh, there's an onshore flow that is uh, still in place and by the way uh, there has been the coastal flooding actually has gotten worse as the week has moved on because of this persistent onshore flow and i imagine it's going to get um, a little higher tomorrow uh, with the southeast isobars coming into play and here's that first arm of rain. You'll notice that the low center just kind of jumps around here. And that's because the upper feature is weakening. 
and trying to go to our west. So we get this surge of showers that comes in during tomorrow afternoon and evening. Most of that surge goes north, and then the GFS at least fires up another area of rain Saturday morning uh, over Long Island, south, southwestern New England, up the Hudson Valley, down along the New Jersey coast, and then that lifts up into New England with some lingering showers, and then it blows up another area uh, after that uh, come uh, tomorrow evening, I'm sorry, Saturday evening. And then as the low finally starts to move up into Maine, where the, uh, in New, where the I'm sorry, into Massachusetts uh, during Sunday morning, where the uh, rain is covering all of New England back to about uh, Long Island, but that'll pull up further to the north. Looks like some heavy rains for Maine and New Brunswick here as the low heads up to uh, near the St. Lawrence River there. Um, Sunday, northwest isobars, some scattered showers being indicated. I think until the upper trough completely passes, I think you have to consider that we're probably going to be struggling with clouds on Sunday. And then finally, uh, Monday, it does get better. Uh, then we've got a little weak front with just a little ripple on it with a couple of showers indicated for Tuesday afternoon. It turns cold, a little colder behind that front. And then we've got another front with a second wave and a colder high behind it. And that's why the GFS is generating that area of blue there in Pennsylvania and on up into upstate New York, Vermont, New Hampshire. This is for uh, Wednesday night into Thursday morning. And then that goes out, and then it turns really chilly toward the end of the week. And then there's another energy coming down from the north, which on this run, the models, this model tried to develop something, and it does offshore. The earlier run had it much further to the left. Uh, we'll see how that plays. That probably will have to depend on what the one on Thursday, Wednesday night does, uh, will have an impact. But it will, uh, will finish off the weekend next weekend on the cold side, uh, in my view. I, I agree. I agree. Now, the the thing is that um, I I looked at the uh, the uh, ten millibar map centered on the uh, polar regions yes, a little look, while ago, which I'm bringing up right now. Go ahead. And it it now appears, at least according to uh, this particular uh, forecaster, that while we will probably see a noticeable dip in the temperatures when we get to about uh, the 6th or 7th of November, that it's going to be short-lived, that it looks like whatever comes on down is going to come across Canada and uh, graze the northern tier of the United States. But then it looks like everything is going to uh, skip back north again and put us back in the same type of bland pattern as we move into the uh, middle part of uh, November. What, well, what say that, you? That's, that's possible. Well, I, I'm looking at this run where, you know, still doing the same thing with the vortex moving from Siberia down to near uh, northern Canada. And it looks like, at least on, on this run, that there's an arm that sort of swings around and goes back over into Europe. And then there's another arm that's trying to come down. So, yeah, it's possible that uh, it's certainly entirely possible. I don't think we're going to see it be continuously cold. I think I think we're going to get some hiccups along the way. And the, what we'll have to watch really is that East Pacific oscillation, because that'll be the determining factor. If it uh, it is actually probably to go, it, it, it was that I saw a day or two ago forecast to go positive again during the middle part of the month. So that's not that that wouldn't be a shock to me if that wound up happening. I I, I don't think uh, the changes that we're seeing by no means imply that we were going to have continuous cold. And and it is November, so you're still going to have some some volatility here uh, going forward. Indeed, and you just said it. It's November. It's not December. Not January. Not February. I don't see anybody yet throwing in the towel on on winter, but. Uh, Hope springs eternal, I suppose, for this upcoming season that perhaps we'll have more than just a, a, a three-week stretch like we did this past winter during the month of February. And by the way, what you just mentioned about the winter of 78, 79, that's what we had. We had one of those three-week stretches where everything was uh, thrown in but the kitchen sink. But before that and after that, nothing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether or not we'll see something like that again this winter, but um, I, th I think we'll, we'll be seeing some, some action. 
All right. Well, here's that. Here's the upper air. I just kind of I just took it back to where we are uh, back on Monday when we had the blocking high sitting over Hudson Bay. You see the first storm going out, being forced underneath that blocking high, which has been sitting there since then. And now starting tonight, it begins to break down and the upper low that's approaching. You look at this and you would think, oh, it's got to go out underneath us. But because that blocking high is weakening so quickly, uh, the upper low starts to turn northward and lift up uh, into interior New England and eventually into uh, into Quebec. And then, of course, you've got other energy that's coming down from Canada into James Bay. And now, as I mentioned earlier, here's that here's that upper air connection. You've got a big ridge up in Ca building up in Western Canada, and that bring, makes that rather deepish looking trough, broad trough that drops down into the east on Wednesday. And the thing is, if you go into the long range, that ridge in the west doesn't hold very much. Eventually, you do get this whole trough swinging and deepening as it approaches the east coast on Saturday, which is why it has that other low that it forms right along the coast. But then that lifts out. <laughs> then we get some ridging here in the east. And then I'm looking out in the west, Joe, you know, your biggest problem here is, again, it's Canada. Uh, here we have, uh, just at the end of the forecast period, which takes us to November 13th, if this verifies, you got a trough off the West Coast. Look at the, look at the wind flow in Canada. It's, it's coming from the Southwest again. That's no good. So we briefly get into the motion, the polar vortex, whether it's triggering this or not, we briefly get into a period where uh, we have that connection to bring down some colder air, and then it just kind of, uh, you know, tr it, it tries to disappear as we get toward the end of the forecast period. So it, 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 there's, there's going to be a lot of variability this month until the atmosphere's chess pieces arrange themselves in the way that they're going to want to lock in for the winter season. And we probably aren't going to know anything about that for another six to eight weeks anyway. So... Uh, in the meantime, we just have to watch how things move from from day to day and, and which way these models are are taking things. Uh, I uh, I go back to what I said. I was looking. I'll bring it up. I'll I'll, uh, I'll pull it up right now. By the way, on the uh, watches and warnings map tonight, uh, there are some flash flood watches that are up. I believe. Let me just get this a little closer so I can see it. Uh. They did put now these are all coastal flood warnings. Is this all no, these are flood watches. So they do have flood watches up for parts of southwest Jersey. And they also because the colors are so close. Let me just double check this. Because I don't think they would have Philadelphia in the coastal flood warning. That that doesn't make any sense. Nope. They got that county in a in, in a in a coastal flood warning. So it's not a flood. The flood watches are down in the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area, I believe. And let me just make yeah. it. You know, I'm looking at this map. I can't see the color differences. And so I was actually having this conversation. Yeah, it's a flood watch is down there. I was having this conversation this morning, and we were, you know, just talking about generic things, and somehow, you know, someone, the, the subject of being able to see color, and men don't see color in the same detail that women do. Women see colors in, in much greater detail than us guys. And I was never really at, at seeing de uh, the color differences, but there you have it. A lot of coastal flood warnings up for southern New for southern New Jersey and down at the Delaware and along in the Chesapeake Bay because of that endless onshore flow, uh, and and a few of those flood watches. Okay, back to what I was going for, which was and there's uh, I had wind advisories up. It was windy this morning, Joe. They put wind advisories up here when winds are going to gust to 30 miles an hour. So. Um, you know, their threshold here for wind advisories is a lot lower than what it is up in the Northeast. Uh, there are some scattered wind advisories up for Port, Northeast Texas, Northwest Louisiana, Western Arkansas, Southwest Missouri, Southeastern Kansas, much of Oklahoma, and that's because of the big upper low. And then you see the flood warnings and the flash flood watches up in the Pacific Northwest. Now, back to what I was getting at, which was the snow cover. And I'm going to pull up the 30 day animation. It's really. The amount of snow in North America, we're at the end of October. I, um, I, I don't know where I could get my hands on a, a, on a normal map, but I can tell you that 
this ain't this is not normal this is below, this is below average in terms of the amount of snow cover look at the last 30 days and i mean here we are there was actually more snow cover at one point of, uh, about 10 days ago than there is now i mean look there's it's almost <laughs> nothing there's almost nothing uh up in uh in wow. in canada anywhere uh but um if you want some hope i did also notice that though it is subpar if we look at the siberian snow cover uh it actually has expanded fairly rapidly in the last seven days or so but even here too the snow cover growth this season has been below average and the yellow area that you see up in the open waters of the arctic ocean is the ice and because of where the polar vortex is you can see where all the ice is, is freezing right along the coast there of Siberia, on the Siberia side, but it, it hasn't quite, it's just now reaching to the coast, the north coast of Alaska in the Alfred, well, uh, uh, Alfred Phillips land from Wainwright, Alaska. I thought I might have seen him, I know he was here last night, I thought he was, uh, I saw him earlier on the board, uh, but the ice is expanding, but it's not expanding uh, as quickly uh, up uh, up north of uh, North America, it's expanding faster in uh, in where Siberia is. So these the snow cover growth this season has been subpar in both areas. Yeah, look at the Himalayas. You'd expect the Himalayas by now to have significant. I mean, there's some snow, but it really doesn't look all like that impressive. Yeah, and I mean, we've had years that by the end of October where the snow cover extends all the way down to 40 degrees north, which is just about, right. you know, into the northern areas of China. And you just don't have that uh, going on right now. So uh, it, it's a, uh, it, it, every day that goes by that the snow cover doesn't increase makes it a bigger and bigger issue uh, with regards to the upcoming winter, in my opinion. I mean, that could, it could change on a dime. Uh, you know, you get one good week and suddenly it's snow cover everywhere and it doesn't melt. Uh, so, you know, that could always change. But for now, the lack of snow cover is also going to impact the quality of cold air that comes down. Well, for the for the snow weenies out there, why don't we just simply say it's a work in progress? Hopefully, I won't be saying that for all of you in March or uh, late February. But uh, right now, it's still early in the ballgame. And as uh, Joe and I will attest to from watching over four decades, We've seen it turn on a dime. Case in point, and this is actually a flip-flop from what's happening now, we had, a, we had in the winter of 88-89, uh, of we had a – that, that particular year, that particular season, November was abnormally warm. I mean, we had – and in fact, the week before Thanksgiving, we had some devastatingly, brutally severe – weather in the northeastern states in fact uh there was a school that unfortunately the wall collapsed and uh, uh a number of young children who were having lunch in the lunchroom the wall collapsed on them and that actually was caused by a sharp cold front which ushered in a brutally cold air mass into the eastern united states the rest of Fe of november was extremely cold we had four to six inches of snow for Thanksgiving morning, and in fact, Joe, you pointed out the day after Thanksgiving at your house was what, uh, eight degrees or ten degrees? Mm -hmm. uh, the Eleven. day after that Thanksgiving morning. Eleven. Eleven degrees, and then we went into December, which was one of the coldest months—not the coldest December's, but one of the coldest months we had seen around here in a good number of years. And everybody was saying to themselves, "I know," in December. With the frigidity that uh, that covered our area, oh, this is going to be a brutally cold winter. Look how cold it's been since mid-November. Look how cold it is now. We can only imagine what it's going to be like in January, February, and March. And guess what? On New Year's Eve, all of a sudden, the whole thing flipped, yep. and we went into a spell of mild weather, <clears throat> and that was it. It was all over. The yeah, winter was I think, done. I think, I think January was like nine degrees above normal, and February was nine degrees right. above normal. December was right. was December was very cold, but produced very little snow, uh, as I as I remember. And then it was right. one of those years, in the, 
one of those years in the late 80s, I don't know if it was in the same year where we had this sort of supercharged warm front that came through late, I, I think the day after Christmas. And we got like, we got seven and a half or eight inches out of it. And then the temperature went to six, the snow stopped. And then the temperature went to 60 the, that day. And right. it was all gone. I mean, it, you know, within a day or two, it was just all gone. So yeah, it, you just don't know. You just don't know where it's going to go. You don't so, know. Like I said, it could it could turn just like that. So, um, and even now, if, and even I, if it, and even if it couldn't, if even if you couldn't, it wouldn't it wouldn't matter because my friendship with the Ricardos means more to me than all the money <laughs> on earth. <laughs> okay. Now, could you could you allow me to share? Uh, a couple of screens here. Uh, one moment, please. Uh, let's let's turn on the Joe Rayo. I got a new mouse, by the way, and it's made my life so much easier. My old mouse was uh, was lost its mind, and I couldn't do anything. I couldn't highlight anything. I uh, you know I would highlight things, and it would highlight like half of it or one side. Made cutting and pasting nearly impossible. And I thought, you know, the battery was fine. It's just that, uh, you know, the contact part of it got all scratched up. So anyway, uh, it lived a long life, though. I think I've had that mouse over two laptops. So it lasted like seven, about six or seven years. So I I went and bought an 1199 new one at Walmart. Yes, you can share. No. All righty. I, uh, I have some interesting news. We're going to have probably a major storm coming our way in the uh, next 24 to 36 hours, but it is not a terrestrial, it is a space storm. And uh, I'm going to share the screen here with this and show all of you what I'm talking about. There was a major flare that erupted on the sun earlier today. You can see it. It's right there on your screen, literally right in the middle of the uh, sun. Now, there are various categories uh, that the Space Environment Center uh, lists for solar activity and solar flares. There are C flares, which are eh, M flares, which are moderately strong. And the strongest flares of all are the X-rated flares. And this was an X flare, Joe. And take a look where it is. As I said, right smack in the middle of the sun, shooting out toward us these subatomic particles directly toward the Earth. Now, when, when this flare occurred, eight minutes after it took place, and this was at about 11.30 this morning, about eight minutes later, because it takes light eight minutes uh, to reach from the sun, the 93 million miles, 186,000 miles a second, to reach the Earth. Right after that, we had what is called a sudden ionospheric disturbance. And um, let me just stop sharing this screen for a moment. And let me uh, move on now to another graphic here. Here we go. This is the area of where, where, where if you were a ham radio operator or if you are listening uh, on shortwave, the area of red for a while this afternoon became totally and completely blacked out. You could not get any communication in or out of the red area. Very difficult in the green region. Other areas, well, they were on the night side of the earth, not facing the sun, so no problems here in China and Russia, and also no problems up uh, in Alaska or northern Canada. But right here, a major, major uh, disturbance for radio communication due to, again, that massive flare that erupted earlier today. And now the Space Environment Center has issued an alert for a severe geomagnetic storm to occur sometime tomorrow or tomorrow night, which should produce a dramatic display of the Northern Lights, not just across Canada, but maybe pushing all the way on down into central and maybe even southern United States. The folks who live maybe uh, in Texas and down in Arizona and uh, maybe even uh, Arkansas may get a chance to see the northern lights tomorrow night. It would be possibly an amazing display. P.S. Of course, 
here in our neck of the woods, and even down where you are, Joe, the, well, all that we have discussed now, the uh, upper trough, the yeah. uh, disturbance moving north and eastward, everything is pretty much going to shut it all out. So if it does occur, we ain't seeing it because the weather is not going to allow for a view of the uh, beautiful northern lights display that may very well be coming our way and, tomorrow or tomorrow night. And, and, and this, so it goes. And this is this is tomorrow night. Well, you know what? I might just I might just clear out a bit tomorrow night down here. Well, it's not impossible. Well, take take a look. Oh, uh, hold on, hold on, hold this, on. This, so, hold on. Oh, I thought I, I I thought I heard a gunshot. Somebody might be out there shooting squirrel. Um, go on. I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Somebody actually shoots squirrels outside of your house? Well, no, they they hunt in the woods here, so I don't know if somebody's out there hunting. Uh, I, I, I'm teasing about the squirrels, you know, um, but huh. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they could be shooting squirrel to get for dinner. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, but, uh, yeah. yeah, they do hunt around here. So go on. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, uh, you know, people, you know, Joe, they, they invest money in uh, uh, going on tours or trips up to Iceland around this time of the year or up in uh, the northern Canadian prairies. I have a friend of mine who drove from San Diego into the prairies uh, about a month ago simply to see the northern lights because he always wanted to see them and photograph them. It's unusual for the northern lights to get as far south as our latitudes or even further south down into the 30-degree uh, range. This solar flare that occurred today, earlier today, now of so maybe uh, you know from time to time tomorrow night if it's clear or partially clear step outside and look to the north because you just may get a, an unusual glimpse out your way of the northern lights you've done you've done everything else you've managed to miss out on the hot weather right you've managed to see the colder temperatures before us up here <laughs> so, so why not so why you know, not in exactly. your area see see a, see a northern well, northern you know lights go, in Georgia I can go there's a there's a mountaintop not too far from me that I can go to. That's actually it would be perfect because it's three. It, it, it's about thirty five hundred feet up, and and the view is panoramic. I mean, you can see all the way. Excuse me, all the way around uh, in all directions. So that might be a that might be a cool place to go uh, if I can manage to drive up the the two lane road that is actually a one lane road. When I say one lane, I mean literally one lane for two ways. Well, yeah. and, I'll tell you what. I'll keep you. And you're I'll keep you, I'll keep you along the way. Lovely. Yes. I'll keep you posted. There, there is an index called the Planetary K Index, and it runs from zero to nine. When it gets to seven, and it has uh, on occasion, that's the signal. Go outside and take a look because then the aurora might be visible as far south as the New York City area. When it gets to like eight or nine, which is rarely ever seen, and this certainly has the potential of doing that, if I see it get to eight or nine tomorrow night, I'll 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 either message you or give you a call and say you ought to step outside if it's clear, because then it should be visible even down as far south as where you are. But again, for all of us up here, it's going to be a moot point because it doesn't. Dennis Cassia, one of our uh, one of our uh, folks on the uh, chat board mentioning that it is an X uh, uh, flare that is Earth-directed. But he also has something he calls Spode's Law. And Spode's Law is kind of like Murphy's Law for astronomers. Spode's Law means, gen generally speaking, something great is about to happen, but you're going to be screwed because you're not going to see it because of the weather. So Spode's Law is in effect for tomorrow night yeah. for all of you Northern Light watchers. All right, let's go do a little Briller Jeopardy here. Uh, and... Uh... Tonight, Joe, uh, you have to guess uh, the years of the five greatest snowstorms that have occurred, the five biggest snowstorms. Uh, three out of five is a uh, passing grade. And so we, we could see if you can you can you can come up with these. Yeah. Now, is this Central Park or for various locations? No, it's, for, it's, it, it, it's, 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 it's for Paducah, Kentucky. Of course, it's for <laughs> Central Park, for Christ's sake. <laughs> I mean, you know, I have I, my, my, my wife has a cousin who lives in uh, lives in Kentucky, so I could call her up and ask uh, 
to help me out. It'd be like a phone a friend, Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'd be like a phone a friend. Um, so you're asking for the five greatest snow the, snowfalls, right? From snowstorms, not not 24 hour, but total snowstorm, total from one from, from the snowstorm. It could have been over two days, you know, um, you know, but not a not a 24 hour measurement, but over, you know, could be a snowstorm that started on one day and finished on another. Well, for for years and years and years. It was it was a very easy to mention what was number one because number one was always the post Christmas day snowstorm in 1947, which I think had 26 and a half inches of snow, um, and that was the top for 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 something like 60 years. And then all of a sudden, in in this last 20 years, we've had a couple of snowstorms that have uh, surpassed that, and I'm not even sure what the years were. I think one of them was in was in, in in 2006 um and the other was i don't know 20 2015 or 2016 and i can't even tell you if it was 26 and a half inches in 47 i think those two storms surpassed that by something like one or two inches not 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 a tremendous amount but and i, I remember one of those two storms was the storm that the end uh, that the uh, that the nam had forecasted like an humongous amount of like 30, 35 inches. And the other models were saying like, oh, no, no, it's only going to be five or 10. Right. And we poo-pooed, we poo-pooed the NAM. And then suddenly at the last minute, all of a sudden, all the other we models did not. said, poo-poo. Oh, yeah, the NAM no, right. no, no, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. We did not poo-poo the NAM, okay? We did not poo-poo the NAM. Well, I did. Maybe we, you did, I, but I did. You, you did. I didn't. We weren't working together. Were we working together for that one? <coughs> no. At that point, no. no. So no. definitely, no. I, I, I can tell you. I can tell you right now. I did not poo poo the Nam on that one. I, I was. Well, the GM- I was chanting the Nam's praises for the two days going into it for that particular storm because I knew well, it had the, GF- had the right idea. The GFS, the Canadian, the European. We're all saying a moderately large storm of five to ten. I said, "Look at the Nam. Look at the Nam. What are they coming up with now? Twenty-seven inches or twenty-eight inches? Who? That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Guess what? It happened. And that, by was the that, way, Joe, and that was that was January twenty-second, in in what was a lousy winter, but that's where a window opened up for three weeks in the month of January, where it got cold enough. That was in that El Nino year." And yeah, January 22nd, 23rd, 2016, 27.5. And you mentioned, did did you mention, did you say 2006? Did you mention 2000? Yeah, that was number two, February 11th and 12th, 2006, 26.9. So 27.5, 26.9. And you also mentioned the December 26, 27 storm of 1947, which was twenty five point eight. So you named the top three in in your in your um, soliloquy there, and uh, so that leaves you with two and left. The, all right. Well, after forty seven, again for many many years, when we always talked about oh the biggest storm was in was the well, forty seven storm. Well, the big storm. storm we've been talking about. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> and after that, we we always said well. The, the 47 storm had like 25, 26 inches of storm. That, that was more than four or five inches more than the legendary 1888 storm. Although in 1888, they had stronger winds, much higher drifts, colder temperatures. But 88, I think, had what, about 21 inches? And that was, in, number, in and that was number four, March 12th right. through 14th, 1888, 21 inches. That was over right. three days. And so you have you've got four of them. So now there's just one left, which would be ranked number five. All right. Well, I must I must pause and probably stop here. I I I think I think now that you know after 1888 we had uh, any number of storms uh, that uh, went back into like the 19 you know 30s or 40s that uh, produced like you know, 17, 18 inches. But I think that in, in, in remembering 
this, this has been a bit crazy 20 years that we've had, 20, 21 years. Well, I'll give you a We actually had like one or two storms that maybe uh, fell right behind 1888 in yeah. the last two decades. Yes. The answer is yes. So it's three of the five were in the last 20 years. Three of the five. Well, what, what about 96? What about the blizzard of 96? Right. The, that, was that was that one of them or no? Not in New York City. Not measured at the park. I don't think it really? was. No. It, I, I thought I, I thought the blizzard of '96 had like twenty inches or at Central Park. Well, it it, it might be just under number five. Okay. So. Okay. Which was February twenty fifth, twenty six, two thousand ten. Why don't I remember these? They're all melding into one big lump here. This is crazy. But, uh, Joe, if, when we were growing up in the 60s and when we were starting in the business in the 70s, who would have thought, who would have thought that we would have in the first two decades of the 21st century, three or four storms that dumped in excess of 20 inches of snow mm -hmm. or in the latter part of the 1990s? I mean, it's crazy. And, and, that where, been like, and, and where I lived, I had more than that. Right, you had that. What was the storm that gave you 36 inches? Well, that was the um, that was the Snowmageddon storm of 2013, and that, then there was the half blizzard in 2014. Uh, December, um, the half blizzard was January of 2015, and that uh, gave me 24. Uh, you know, so yeah. Uh, there's a couple of there's a few others peppered along the way where we got you know over 20 and uh, that, a lot of times the city only got half that so uh, I had I had I had quite a 20 year experience uh, from 2000 to 2000 you know from that that in in that uh, in that 20 year stretch a lot of 20 inch snowstorms on, on Long Island and I remember and I remember the day before New Year's Eve in 19 no it was in 2000. On, it was a Saturday, New Year's Eve night uh, in the year 2000, or not New Year's Eve, the day before, December 30th, 2000. And I'm, I'm, it's a Saturday morning. I'm, I'm sleeping soundly, and I get a phone call at like 5:30 in the morning from my news director telling me, "Joe, we need you. Come on in." I'm looking out the window, and there's already like five inches of snow on the ground. I was living in Levittown at the time, and I'm, I'm now I'm looking at a drive from Levittown, Long Island. On the on the Northern State Parkway to the Cross Island over the Throgs Neck Bridge to Yonkers, uh, in 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 moderate to uh, well actually, uh, it was mostly like S plus. Yes. And I know that I know that wasn't among the top five, but it did dump at least a foot of snow on New York City, and that 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 stands out because when you have to drive in these things, and it's like, ah, ah. Oh, I don't have to do God. that anymore, Joe. Thank God for that. We don't right. have to do it anymore. We do not. All right, yes. let's. Oh, look at me! I just, I, I can switch us. Look at that! I didn't even know I could do that. Look at that! I moved us. I put, I, I, I switched sides. Look. Oh, all right. I could do that. So you're over there. Now you're over there now. No, I was. Now, now I'm the other way. I'm back to where I oh, was. Now you're over there. Now you're over there. Would you rather be on the left or, or I don't know. Do you want me on the left or on the right? Oh, I don't know. If, if we put you on the right, it would be a right-wing conspiracy, wouldn't it? Oh, I'm sure it would. All right, let's let's not adventure. <laughs> let's not adventure down into another political no, path. No, no. The no, uh, no, no, no. The Joe and Joe Weather Show tonight brought to you. Just speaking of all this winter weather, a reminder that you might need to get salt. Uh, so do so. Uh, at uh, omnitruevalue.com is the website. Uh, Omnitrue Value Hardware at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York, 631-756-1125. And they have the best prices around anywhere in the New York City tri-state area. Wholesale holiday lighting by Giannini, your complete holiday lighting specialist, meeting all your decorating needs, whether you want your home decorated for the holiday or 
you are in the business and you're decorating and you need you need decorating stuff give them a call because they got plenty in stock by the way and they're at 162 ocean avenue in lindenhurst new york also serving everywhere in the tri-state area and even beyond that uh their uh their telephone number is 631-957-5106 and the website is liholidaylighting.com so you and i will be back on sunday at 11 uh, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, correct? Yes, yes, and uh, Mrs. Rayo will be on with Halloween Briller, Briller Jeopardy. All right, very good. <laughs> All right, so we will uh, we'll see you on on Sunday. See you on Sunday, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the uh, super chat hits tonight. Oh, now you're in a single shot. That was light. That was lovely. What was that? Are you are you still hacking that cough? Right. I still am. I still am. Oh. It'll be with me, I guess, for a while. Hang on, I gotta let me move those out. Let's get us back on full screen. I mishit a key here, uh, so I gotta go do this. There we go. So now we're back. So uh, thank you to the super chat hits tonight from uh, the chairman Scott Briller and from uh, Enrique Lopez. Uh, thank you both and. What else do I have to say? Oh, thanks to everybody for being here, of course. Thank you, everybody, for the lo our loyal audience. Uh, thank you very much for being here on another night, and we will be back on Sunday at 11 a.m. Good night, everybody. Good night, folks.